Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. Philly is a tough city. I like Philadelphia because they care. An emergency ringers Philly special because James Harden has opted into the last year of his deal for $35.6 million, which means in all likelihood, Raheem, he is going to be traded out of Philadelphia. It's uh, it's huge news. It's pretty shocking because we had already done some recording this week, man, where we were talking about being at peace with the Sixers team essentially being a run-it-back situation and that we were kind of like, you know what? Continuity, new coach. Let's see what happens. Who knows? Boston could go sideways. Miami might not get so lucky, yada, yada. And now we are... Uh, look, the... The only constant with Philadelphia 76ers basketball is change. And we're going to get another change of the roster this season. Raheem, when you first heard the news, Shams reported it. What did you think when you found out that James Harden was opting in only to be traded? Well, it was, it was clear at that point that Houston didn't want to pay him. And he had, he had been using Houston all year long for leverage to get what he wanted out of Philadelphia. And it was also clear that Philadelphia wasn't going to give him a long-term deal. So it was pretty surprising for me because we all know Daryl Morey and James Harden, I mean, they, they roll together. Yeah. So for Philadelphia to, to put their foot down and say, we're not going to pay James Harden. And then also for the Rockets to basically pivot and say, we're going to go after Fred Van Vliet. We're going to go after Dylan Brooks as opposed to James Harden. It said a lot about what the market thinks about James Harden. But it also says a lot about what teams are going to do going forward with the set with the new CBA in the new second April. Yeah, I you know 
the star hunting seems to now be going to get, it's going to get done through trades. And that's been the case for a couple of years. But you look at the Bradley Beal deal, which was unique because of Beal's no trade clause giving him, you know, unquestionable leverage. But it'll be fascinating to see what Daryl Morey and James Harden's personal relationship means to the trade conversations that we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. Already the LA Clippers have been suggested as a possible, if not probable destination by various outlets. You've also got some chatter about the Knicks, about the Heat. Um, who knows who else could get involved. But the idea, as has been suggested, that Harden wants to be traded to a contender. Uh, you know, the Sixers don't owe Harden what they owe, what the Wizards owed Beal. Beal could, could veto a trade if, if, uh, if Michael Winger was like, hey, I want to trade you to Minnesota, or I want to trade you to Portland, or I want to trade you to San Antonio. Uh, it was really up to Beal is where he wanted to go, and he wanted to go to Phoenix instead of Miami. I, I don't, Harden doesn't necessarily have that leverage in writing in his contract, but it seems like there has been some sort of agreement between the Sixers. It sounds like as of Thursday, they had already started discussing trade destinations, and the Clippers one seems to be the one, at least as the clubhouse leader. Yeah, well, see, they don't owe James Harden, but I do think they kind of owe him in certain ways. Like, this is a guy who took a $15 million pay cut to return to the team last year. He declined his $47.3 million option. He signed a two-year $68 million deal with the second year being a player option. And he took less money so that the Sixers could bring in P.J. Tucker, so they could bring in other guys. And I think he did that with the intent of, okay, I want to win a championship. I'm sacrificing. I'm the number two guy. Joel Embiid's the number one guy. And if things go well, they're going to give me my four-year max or five-year max to close out my career. And it seems as though the playoffs have changed things. So I can understand why James Harden would want to trade. I think you you have to give James Harden some credit because he made all of the sacrifices. So I'm not surprised that this trade demand is coming. And like you said, the, the Clippers appear to be the front runner and I think they may have the pieces to do it. So are, you're not surprised. Are you bummed? Eh, not really. When you consider all the sacrifices that he made, I actually think it's, it's, it's quite admirable. And he's also at a point where, I mean, obviously, I think the Sixers are kind of looking out for him by saying, we're going we're gonna to help you. We're going to facilitate a trade. Because there aren't really many places that have the cap space for James Harden. So I'm I'm I won't say I'm bummed, but it's just it it just what has to be done at this point. <laughs> I think it's indicative of how ambivalent a lot of Sixers fans are about Harden and about the Harden experience that we're yeah. we're not able like to come up with a get this bum out of here or <laughs> I'm I'm really upset. You're trading the heart and soul of the team. It's it's somewhere in the middle of that. I can't say that I enjoyed the hardened basketball experience that much. Like there were times, there were highs where I was like, "This guy is absolutely amazing," and I do think that he was probably the best point guard slash facilitator slash playmaker that the Sixers have had in the backcourt since Allen Iverson. Straight up, like it's just been a pleasure to watch him pass the ball when he did, and when he was healthy, and when he played well, it was great. As we saw in the playoffs, he was capable of incredible, like incredible highs and incredible, devastating, in like inexplicable lows. And so I, I'm I'm happy to be off that roller coaster. And honestly, yeah. it's a lot easier to 
uh, make excuses for bad ex- performances when you just like the player. And that that comes down to straight up just being like, I don't like dudes who dribble the air out of the ball at the top of the key and hunt for fouls. And that's still a huge component of Harden's game. And, and, and it's just not not my jam, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, James Harden will take you there. But when it matters, you're going to get what he gave you in Game 7. I mean, this is a guy who 45 points in Game 1, 42 points in Game 4. He single-handedly won those games. And yeah. the one thing I'll say about James Harden that I, I felt like I enjoyed is that I felt like he unlocked another level of Joel Embiid. I was looking at the second spectrum stats today. The Joel Embiid, James Harden pick and roll with James Harden as the ball handler, they scored 1.12 points per possession. So they were unstoppable. Except in the and, playoffs. Yeah, seven in the playoffs. But you look at the Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid pick and roll, 1.03 points per possession. So James Harden did a lot of good. He made a lot of sacrifices. But I'm not sad that it's totally coming to an end. At, so at this, the end of the day. this is a another reason why I think I'm not celebrating, but I'm also not like crying my eyes out. Is that I just don't know what we're gonna get back from, and I have to assume, given just the chessboard right now, I, I saw some wild, windy w- Brian Windhorst talking about like Kyrie Irving or Damian Lillard could be in play for the Sixers, and I guess I would put nothing past Daryl Morey, but. I, I assume a guy as intelligent as Moria's has plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z. And he's he was ready, prepared for this eventuality of Harden not coming back or asking to be traded. That being said, like this has been from Ben Simmons were not taking the shot in Atlanta to now, a pretty weird phase of this franchise. But yeah. you know, Simmons sitting out like Maury waiting for the price that he wanted, for the return that he wanted, Harden arriving in the private jet, hugging Maury on the like the landing strip or where, like at the airport, Harden being on a Sixers, being amazing, getting hurt, coming back. Christmas day of this past season, Woj reporting that he was going to, you know, maybe go back to Houston. All of the speculation about Houston throughout the second half of the season, some truly incredible basketball, some truly bizarre basketball by him a kind of dis- very disappointing playoffs from him. And then this kind of like, oh, I guess he doesn't really have the market free agency-wise that he thought he did. He's probably just going to come back, and that's good because we won't lose the asset for nothing, and maybe maybe there's something to this. And now we arrive at this, which I don't think anybody had really thought of. And now we're, we're probably looking at getting multiple pieces that will financially add up to what Harden makes in $35 million and you can go through the rosters of the Clippers and the Heat and the Knicks and make make all sorts of deals. But there's not going to be a guy there that's James Harden. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, when I heard that the Clippers were one of the favorites to get James Harden, my first thought was I would love to have Paul George. That was, that was the first thing I thought of because he had been, there had been some conversations about whether or not PG was going to be in in play for the scoot pick that that Portland wound up making that that the number three the Portland number three might be traded with whatever you need to make work for for Paul George, and I would I would love to see because I, I I feel like Paul George and Joel Embiid would give you a top five defense, and our perimeter defense would be better, and then I think you could empower Max. Now we all know when you're trading a star player, you don't tend to get equal value. You tend to get you know, 75 cents, 25 cents on the dollar. So I think you had a, 
a trade that you thought would work out well for us. Yeah, I mean, this is the one that I think I would be happiest about with, is with the Clippers. It's it's Terrence Mann, it's Norman Powell, and it's the return of Robert Covington. And Mann, I think, paired with Maxi is a really exciting backcourt. I think Mann has been a really up and down player for the Clippers, partially because the Clippers rotations are so weird. And Ty Lu will have a guy playing 28 minutes a game and then he's out of the rotation two weeks later. And so I think Terrence Mann's really suffered from that. And that Clippers team has been impossible to get any kind of continuity going because of the injuries that they, they routinely are going through. Pal's pal. You know, I'm not expecting him to be anything but a guy who's capable of having a heat check night where he can go for 25, but sometimes have nights where he's anonymous. I think he's a good shooter and he's a little streaky, but he's, he's, he, we could definitely use the perimeter shooting. And then Rocco is just like an emotional pick over uh, Morris, who is just seems like a pointless acquisition for Philly, despite it being a hometown return for him. Yeah, I think, I think Morris is watching it. And also, I mean, I just, I don't know if Morris has the right attitude for what you're trying to build, when you're trying to build a contender. And then also, I've never really liked bringing guys to their hometown. I just Well, think I, I think if to- Morris came back, that feels like a redirect then or like buying him out or whatever it would be. Like, I, I don't know what, but yeah, Roko is like, I'm not, I, I'm not, that's not like necessarily like Marcus Smart right there. But like, I, I always loved Covington and was happy to have him on the Sixers and was bummed when we traded him for, for to Minnesota, even though obviously the Butler trade was a trade you had to make. Um, so there's a bunch of other ripple effects that I want to talk to you about here, Raheem. So okay. you go through this entire process and we could talk a little bit more about who else we might trade him to. And frankly, there's also reporting out there that's like, this is in some ways Harden's way of testing the market. And if he doesn't get the trade that he wants or more, he can't find the trade that he wants. Like he may still come back. So uh, I'm trying to get too ahead of ourselves just a couple of hours after this story broke. Obviously, there's been no comment yet from the team or from Harden's camp. So this is just all kind of like being reported. Um, speaking of Maury, though, this this is this was Maury's queen. You know, this was like this was his queen's gambit. If speaking of chess terms, like it was always kind of like he was singularly focused on Harden. He had the asset to get it done in Ben Simmons. Harden was dis, displeased in Brooklyn. He comes to Philly. Um, how does this make you feel about the Maury? administration or reign because obviously the Sixers have had some really, really, really rocky GMs in the last 10 years since Sam Hickey was let go or left. Uh, and Maury brought like a real stability and a real confidence to the moves that he was making. I think he did it best he could filling out the roster. And this really isn't a second guessing or Monday morning quarterbacking of Daryl as much as it's just like, what's Daryl got? What's Daryl's other move? Because it, the big one was hard. I'm going to give Maury some credit. He traded Ben Simmons, a guy who's played 42 games and scored 6.9 points per game since he traded him for James Hart. He won, the, we got, he, he won the Ben Simmons trade. You're, I'm not arguing yeah, and, that. So to me, I think that was his big test because he didn't step into an ideal situation. He didn't step into the situation that Elton Brand stepped into. He didn't step into the, the situation that previous GM, GMs for the Sixers stepped into. He didn't have a ton of cap space. He didn't have a ton of picks. He came in after we traded J- the draft rights for Jason Tatum <laughs> for faults. He came in after we paid Tobias Harris. He came in after we let Jimmy Butler go. He came in after 
all of the bad stuff ruined the process. You're giving and me he a headache. Salvage. You get, don't, don't. I, I, we don't have to go so through I, the grocery I'm list. I'm sorry, but we, we got to put some perspective of it because he did, he gave us an all-star shooting guard mm-hmm. who can make plays. Now it's what he does next. But I think he did a, a terrific job. When you look at, look at the first moves that he made. Who did he bring in? Seth Curry. We didn't have any shooting around yeah. Joel Embiid. Yeah. So when I grade Maury, I think he's done uh, the best job that you could possibly do, given the circumstances. Yeah, I think that when you're playing within the parameters of trying to build around the margins, you've essentially got enough assets at any given moment to make one big move, maybe. But after that, like you're essentially getting yourself the McDaniels of the world and the P.J. Tuckers of the world and the D'Anthony Melton's of the world. It's hard to like, it's, it's, it, you're not going to like, it, it's one thing to be Bob Myers and just break aprons and breaks out the hard caps and like, you know, get lucky with Kevin Durant and the, the cap spike. I'm not denigrating what Bob Myers did, but I'm just saying like, I agree with you that Maury has definitely done a good job given the tools that he's had at his disposal. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I've always understood Daryl to be a guy who's like, you, you put together a team based on superstars. Yeah. And then everything else follows after that. And the reality is, is that we are going to be, t- be a team of one superstar after this. We're going to have Joel Embiid. And now I have like a very, I have the Pollyanna-ish like mm-hmm. positive spin on all this, which is that there is a version of this Sixers team after this trade that looks very Denver-y. That has shooting and grit and defense and flexibility and malleability. And yeah, like Embiid's not Jokic as a playmaker, but... You could, I can start to see the outlines of a really good team one through eight that's based around the MVP. And that's cool. Like, I think that would be like a cool team to cheer for and watch. But it isn't necessarily the Mori model, which is I want to go get stars. I want to get Harden mm-hmm. and then I want to go get Chris Paul for him. And then if I have to, I have to, I guess I have to get Russ Westbrook because my, my owner is making me do this. But whoever it is, like Maury has always tried to pair stars together. And now he's going to likely, unless there's a Lillard or a Kyrie incoming, which is a whole other conversation, he's likely to have Embiid, Maxi, I guess Harris, and a bunch of B, B minus guys around him. See, I'm struggling with this. And I, I think it's interesting that you said that you called this Denver. And the reason I say that, because I think in order to get where you are now, we need to have a conversation and a real dialogue if Joel Embiid is good enough to be a number one on a championship team, like a flat out number one and not a not a one A and a one A, not a one A and a one B. Can he flat out be the number one? And I'm not sure that's the case. And I think that's what's scaring me. Like a Lajuan, right? Like, can he be yeah. that good? Right. You heard me all last year compare. James Harden and Joel Embiid to Shaq and Kobe. And I think it kind of came to fruition in some ways that the two games in which the Sixers won in the, in the second round, well, we won three games, but two of the big games is because James Harden had to go out there and score 45 and 42. Mm-hmm. So when are we going to see those big performances from Joel Embiid in order to prove to be that number one guy? That's what I'm nervous of. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, 
You should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to fanduel.com slash ringer Philly to join today. Me personally, I like the New York Yankees. Plus 190 to miss the postseason this year. You guys know Aaron Judge is a little banged up. He got that toe injury. Toe injuries are rough. We saw it with Shaq. We saw it with a lot of sports athletes over the years. You got that toe injury. You're not really the same that year. Aaron Judge, he is the Yankees offense. So I like the New York Yankees plus 190 to miss the postseason. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly to sign up. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks are used with permission. Must be 21 and up and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit Ringer.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some more nervousness on your nervousness. Why is, it that nobody, <laughs> why is it that nobody stays to play with Joel Embiid? Why is it that we have run through a couple of different stars in this, on this team and uh, whether it's, you know, Ben, whether it's Jimmy, whether it's now James Harden, we have tried with Al Horford. We've tried all these different, like, additions to this roster. And you see dudes being like, do whatever you can to get me to go so I can go play with Kyrie or I can go play with KD or I can go play with Booker. Or I can go play with LeBron. Or I can go play with Joker probably soon or Jimmy Butler or whoever it is. And it's, I don't think it's anything about Joel personally. But is it something about him as a basketball player that there's just like an inherent limitation to playing with a a seven-footer who takes up a lot of real estate on the court and likes to hang out and nail and likes to hang out at the top of the key, but also you can't really... It's hard to space the floor out at me. Like, is there something basketball-wise about Joel that puts us in the situation where it's like, 
Harden would rather go play with a uh, constantly in the in on the IR Clippers team or a Heat team where he's gonna have to get Heat culture in his body, or then then play with Joel and play in Philly after after frankly after we fired the coach for him. Well, I, I like to see Harden pass that conditioning test because I don't believe it's gonna happen <laughs> at least with the Miami Heat culture. I think I just think Joel's been really unlucky. Like, when you look at Jimmy Butler, I think Jimmy Butler would have loved to stay and play with Joel and B. You know, they had a, a really good relationship, but he hated Brett Brown and he hated Ben Simmons. And then I think when you look at Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons was kind of in a situation where him and Joel and B probably weren't the best fit. We all remember the first year they went to the playoffs where it was Ben Simmons and a bunch of shooters and how much he thrived in that role. So. Yes. I just don't know if he've ever he's ever fit with Joel Embiid, and it just worked because of their overwhelming overwhelming talents. And then you know this situation, James Harden has always him and Luka Doncic they've always played that heliocentric style of ball. And I think James Harden sacrificed so much. He sacrificed his game. He sacrificed money, and all he gets is a second round in the postseason. And then Joel Embiid really didn't perform well as a number one option in the postseason. So I can understand why James Harden is just like, look, I've given up money. I've given up my style of play. We're not winning. Y'all don't want to give me a max. Get me out of here. Like, I think this is the one time where James Harden's probably not the bad guy. I don't think he's the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, I wonder whether or not this is a very recent decision. And I mm-hmm. wonder whether or not how how recently this Houston thing dried up for him, because the 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 rap on Harden was that he it was Houston or Philly that he would either stay and resign, probably another teamish team ish friendly deal if not like straight up team friendly deal with Philly mm-hmm. or he was going to go to Houston for the boat the full boat you know, and that yeah. Houston was just like we can put him on billboards we can sell this place out again like. He's the return of the Rockets culture that we've been missing since he left, yada, yada. Uh, I wonder how recent this decision was. I wonder what happened behind the scenes to make this the case. Because if you go back six weeks or whenever it was that Doc Rivers was fired after the playoffs and Nick Nurse was hired, it seemed like, given Harden's description of his state of his relationship with Doc Rivers and given Doc Rivers' description of his relationship on the Bill Simmons podcast, that that was not of a workable relationship going forward. So mm-hmm. the franchise chose Harden over Rivers. It also sounds like Joel Embiid was not super behind that, like or that Joel was shocked by that, and that it was like, you know, he he was pretty upset by it. it was what Daryl Morey said was that when I called Joel to tell him the news, he was he was upset. So we've that was probably for the best. I think the team needed a new voice, but they still went and got got a new coach at somewhat at the behest of Harden, apparently. And mm-hmm. now they're going to lose this player. They're going to have a new coach. And I just wonder whether or not we'll ever know the real story about what happened here. You know, because you go through these off seasons and you, you know, it's all this like rumor and innuendo and Instagram eyeball emoji stuff from players and guys going live on Instagram with welcome to Miami playing in the background. Everybody goes running to their computers and I just, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, either either Harden is way smarter or way dumber. 
And maybe he was just like, you know what? I don't feel like staying in Philly like like that overnight. Yeah, and that that yeah, could be as simple as like it is. Things changed so quickly that it because it did feel like they were just going to bring Harden back to with it was either him or Dot. And then now it's just I don't know. Bill Simmons and I, I said this on Twitter earlier, but Bill Simmons called this the the tender generation of NBA stars. Or like, if you're unhappy, I'm just going to swipe right on a new chick. And I think that's probably what happened here. He probably just realized, hey, I, I don't think I could win here. Well, maybe for a lot of these guys, uh, you know, this is Harden's fourth team. Third team, and th- it'll be his third team in three years, right? Because it would be Brooklyn, Philly, and wherever he gets traded to. You're looking yeah. at Chris Paul's played for six teams. Kevin Durant's played for, uh, what, uh, four teams now. I mean, this is not our version of the NBA, although... You know, you have to remember Allen Iverson was moving around a lot at the end of his career. Ray Allen switches teams a bunch. Like, it's not like it, it was not like there hasn't been player movement before. But seeing players, seeing players in their prime move this much is is uncommon, I think. And I, I just James wonder. Hart, no, go ahead. James Harden, KD, and Kyrie have seven trade requests in the last two seasons. Right. Like, it's un, like, I don't know. So I was just like, I'm kind of like, what would make you happy? Or where would you guys like to play? You've played together. And a franchise essentially built around your whims. They fired the coach for you. Like, all this stuff. Like, I, I, I actually just don't know where James Harden wants to be. It's, I mean, honestly, like, I live in Los Angeles and I'm from Philadelphia. I understand the appeal. But mm-hmm. if that's as simple as it was, it was just like, I want to play somewhere warm. Is that it? I, I don't think it's it. Uh, like, I'm going to be honest. I just, I think the circumstances have just never worked in these guys' favor. And I think there's just always something. And I think if the Sixers came to James Harden and said, look, we'll give you a five-year max, I think James Harden would be here for the rest of his career. And I think that's the thing that's holding it. And I don't, like, I have some sources. I was told that James Harden wants to play for a championship contender and he's opting in to give him that flexibility. Obviously, the my sources can't talk too much. The Sixers aren't going to open up to anything because they're worried about tampering, so they're really not talking with anybody. They're just trying to figure things out. But I think if they offer James Harden a four-year, five-year max, I think he would take it. Do you, would you want him on a four- or five-year max? No. Would you want him in a four- or five-year max if he had averaged 25 points a game and we had gone to the conference finals? I think I would be fine with that. So it was really a matter of a one game decided this whole thing. Yeah. But that's interesting because that's not how Daryl Morey looks at basketball. Yeah. Daryl Morey looks at basketball as like you put together this like the most statistically advantageous team you possibly can and then you hope that in those high leverage situations like luck breaks your way. Right? Like Mm -hmm. Jason Tatum doesn't get hot in the second half of game six maybe the Sixers are in the conference finals against a beat-up Miami Heat team. You know? Like, yeah. who, who knows? You know? Like, I, I, I'm i really I'm really at a crossroads about this because I, I don't know what team out there I would rather be. You know, I would rather be cheering for X team, Y team, because so many teams to, seem to be in such flux. It would be cool, I think, to be a Warriors fan and just be like, I can get the Steph jersey and have it for 15 years and I can get the Clay jersey and the Dray- Draymond jersey. And it's just like, 
younger brothers and older brothers grow up cheering for the same dudes. Like, that's pretty romantic. But I'm so used to all this changeover and this turnover on the Sixers that it feels like it is. I mean, I said this in the beginning. It feels like this is the constant. It's like two Mm -hmm. years, a year and a half, experiment with the roster, see how far we get, see who we can put around Joel. Oh, cool. Maxi worked out, blah, blah, blah. And now we're going to go into this next season and something similar. So I, I mentioned the Clippers deal to you. Um, is there anything else out there that's like been your like an initial first glance? You're like, okay, I'm looking at this heat, the heat possibility. Like, do you need Hero back for Harden? Like, you know, if you're looking at the the Knicks, are you like, I need RJ Barrett for Harden? Like, what are you looking at? I'm a stars guy. And I, I think especially now when, with Joel Embiid right now, and I, I just think Joel Embiid is still kind of questionable in, in my eyes. I would rather gamble on another star than just try to put together a roster of Buddy Hield and a couple of other guys. Like, Brian Windhorst reported on it today. And I know it sounds crazy, but he said Kyrie Irving might be looking at this situation. Yeah. But why? And like, it like like take Kyrie out of it. Like why would Kyrie come to Philly? Well, Kyrie is close to the area. They know that this is a situation where he doesn't have to play with another like a Luca is just he has the ball in his hands all the time. He would be the guy controlling things. So I would rather to me, I would rather the Sixers just say, look, we're trying to go after Dame. We're trying to go after Kyrie. I would rather that. I mean, I would I would rather have Dame, honestly, but isn't Kyrie, outside of everything about Kyrie that is like a gamble anyway, like, isn't his dependability just as, as shaky as Harden's? So, like, so you're not going to give Harden a four or five-year deal or whatever it is, but you're going to give that to Kyrie, and that's clearly what Kyrie is looking for. And if you don't give it to Kyrie, are you just getting back into the same circumstances where you've got a disgruntled star who's looking to get paid and get a long-term deal? Like, I just don't understand what the end game is for all this like star hopping, you know, like in part, that's why part of me is like, you know what? Terrence Mann and Tyrese Maxey sounds like a pretty awesome backcourt to cheer for. It's awesome until Joel Embiid feels like, okay, I don't have enough. All right. Then what, man? I I love Joel, (laughs) but like, and then what? We don't get to go to the second round of the playoffs. Like that's the thing is like, I don't know what we're, I don't know what we're arguing for here. It's like, it's like we, I, I actually think, okay, we've tried to get some stars around Embiid. It hasn't worked for whatever reason, for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's see if we can be really good one through eight and we can, you know, we can throw a bunch of different looks out there and like see if Nick Nurse can get creative. And and like that's the, that's the best we can do right now. I, what's the point of like trading? Like Harden's not going to get traded for Lillard. Like unless Portland yeah. redirects Harden to LA, like we're not going to get Lillard out of you this. You know what? You're right. You're 100% right. And when you look at the fact that Tyrese Maxey has star potential, you can empower him and just put some good pieces around him and Joel Embiid and see what happens. And with the way the, the new CBA is going, you're going to see so much movement. Yeah. So maybe maybe you could trade James Harden for a number of dis- different pieces. And then six months from now, three months from now, four months from now, another star is disgruntled. And you can trade those pieces for that for for that other star. So yeah, I seriously. think you're definitely right. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the situation in New Orleans. Look at the situation that happened in Brooklyn last year. 
You're telling me that there's like, it's impossible that Devin Booker might not be like, actually, I don't like the way things are going. You know what I mean? Like, and every single one of these teams that thinks they have everything locked up, one of these star players could just be like, yeah, actually, this isn't really working out for me anymore. And not only that, I actually know where I want to go. So it's just what we should probably accept, and we should accept it with Embiid because this is going to happen eventually, is it's free agency all the time everywhere. And no contract actually means anything. And if some guy is like, I want to go play for the Clippers, and let me just say, uh, on on another note, there is no perfect, more perfect Clipper than James Harden. Because James Harden would get to live in LA, play in a big arena, play in an even probably cooler arena once they get the Inglewood place built. And no one is going to put any pressure on him at all. If he does not perform in the playoffs, what else is new? Like no one in LA is going to be like, James Harden, you're a disgrace. How could you let us down? It's like, oh, cool. James Harden's here. You know, like, and it'll be the Kawhi and James Harden and and Paul George show and and if they have to they can trade Paul George down the line or whatever but and and if they win they're legends if if they don't who cares it's the clippers yeah exactly but i just think that like if you just accept the fact that none of these deals really mean anything nothing is actually stable like if i told you 3 years ago that Zion Williamson would be in trade talks for the number 3 pick you would just hang up the phone but now it's where we are right like yeah. Dame Lillard may or may not get traded from Portland. Like all these guys are up in the air. And you know what? Maybe it's better to get rip the band-aid off and do this now and not get stuck in a situation where it's like, should he stay or should we go? And if we had re-signed Harden, if we'd even signed him to a team-friendly deal or whatever, we wouldn't be able to he wouldn't be eligible to get dealt until December at least, right? Like that was sort of one of the reasons why this got announced now, is because by opting in, he's eligible to be traded immediately. Whereas if he had signed a new deal, but then said, okay, trade me, then like that gets into complicated. And we just went through all this with Porzingis for like similar reasons. I think he opted in, but has a handshake to do a new deal with Boston. I don't know what it is. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here, man? Yeah, I, I think you, I think you really nailed it because I, like, I was like of the belief that we should just be star hopping. But like, if you, we got like a number of different pieces in here and just surrounded them with Embiid and, and Maxi, I think we would be in a good position. Like, even if, like, we got somebody like, we got OG Ananobi and, and Gary Trent or, you know, a couple of those. I mean, we got a wing from the Raptors. I, I would, I would. I agree with you. I, and I like, I like where your head is at and we could go through, I mean, hell, like, let's get back into the Halliburton business. You know what I mean? Like, we could go through yeah. the list of NBA players and start talking about it. I just feel like this doesn't break unless there's something already understood to be happening. Yeah, that's true. That's my that's feeling. I've also seen like Daryl Morey will wait him out and Daryl Morey's going to wait for the right deal and maybe like this is a longer process, but I have a feeling that if this got leaked the way it did, it's because this thing is actually like on second and a half base. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you there. Okay, so we're going to break here because like, you know, we, we can speculate and speculate, but there's probably going to be more leaks and more rumors as the weekend goes on, I hope everybody has a great July 4th. Thanks to Raheem for uh, jumping on the, the horn with me here. And thanks to Stefan for producing us. The Ringers Philly special will likely be back at some point over the next few days to talk about where Harden, James Harden wound up. And who knows? Maybe we'll be happy with the results. Stranger things have happened.
must be 21 and up and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Kansas, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Wyoming, 1-800-522-4700. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. If you're in New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 